Good morning. Who are you people? You're like, it's been a while, right? It's been a busy, busy, crazy summer for me. Uh, I don't think I've ever been in and out of town so much uh, over the course of a couple of months. So um, I hear things have gone well. I hear uh, Pastor Mark's gotten in a good burn uh, last week on me. So I'm going to be thinking about ways to get him back for that one. Uh, if you have any creative suggestions, please come see me after the service. Be glad to take those into account. I won't even hold you accountable or, you know, let him know that it was you. So uh, welcome to those who may be live streaming this morning uh, on Facebook or other places. And uh, yeah, my name's Matt Howe, one of the pastors here. Like I said, been gone, been MIA for a while, but glad to be back uh, this week. And uh, every quarter, uh, we want to update you a little bit on kind of where things are financially for us as a church. And so uh, if you would, just bear with me as I throw a few numbers at you. They're good numbers. Uh, because through June, uh, we have received $155,000 for missions. So that's an awesome thing, right? That's worth celebrating, yep. Uh, another, another really good positive number is that uh, we have also received to this point $1.9 million <laughs> towards our uh, Building Connections campaign. So we're, yeah, we're well on our way towards uh, getting that space paid off out there, which is awesome. Uh, we've received $880,000 in operating revenue uh, thus far, so thanks a lot for helping us keep the lights on, keeping the programs up and running, things like that. Um, I will say, however, that expenses have been around $911,000 to this point, so you can do a quick math there. That leaves us with a, a net loss of about $31,000. Now, there's no reason to panic about that because we, what we as church people call this time of year is the dead period, okay? This is where summer things happen and people go and they're gone and whatever, and so we're typically used to that. And the really good news is that as Pastor Mark was preparing uh, this kind of like little financial update, we received an unexpected check in the amount of $30,000. Yeah, so what about that, right? That's like the best news of the week. So, um, you know, summer we do uh, receive a bit of a slowdown, so we just kind of want to remind you, if you're out of town, you can actually still give, all right? That's awesome, right? Like, God doesn't care, right? He's, he's cool with you being out of town and still giving. But thanks again for your generosity. You all are an awesome church. Uh, you're just, I mean, I've personally received so much blessing from this place, and so just thank you very much. That's, that's really the update we want to give. So now to the message, the thing that you came here for this morning, right? All right, okay, <laughs> all right. So we're in week two of a sermon series entitled The Artisan's Soul. And I got to be honest, when I first heard that we were going to be preaching through this series, I was like, okay, what exactly does that mean, right? Because I'm kind of on the, like, the, I'm teetering with the whole millennial, you know, Gen Xer thing, you know, and this artisan idea, like, it's, it's more of a millennial type thing. And so Eric was, like, really excited about it. I mean, he was, like, running around the office. Oh, we're going to preach to the artisan's soul. And I'm like, what is that, right? <laughs> so I didn't know what he's talking about. But I really, I was here last Sunday. I did get to hear Pastor Mark burn me in person, and um, I did enjoy his message and where he went with it. So I, I'm actually pretty excited about this morning, because last week we talked about how uh, we are, in fact, created in the image of God, and this morning we're going to kind of take that one step further um, and talk about how not only are we created in the image of the Almighty, but we are created for the Almighty as well. We're created for the Almighty. In other words, God has created us with a very specific plan and purpose in mind, right? So go ahead and look at your neighbor and say these words. You are not an accident. All right, go. All right, now I feel like there are probably a few people in the room who still didn't believe you, 
Okay? So we're gonna do it again. Alright? You are not an accident. Ready? One, two, three, go. Alright, there we go. I think that was better. That one, that one seemed to go off better. So the scriptures say that we were created with a divine plan, with a divine purpose. Both the Old and the New Testament offer support uh, of this claim. For instance, we read in these, uh, these words of the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, some of you probably can quote this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, right? So God knew what God had in store for the nation of Israel, and the beautiful thing is God knows what God has in store for each of us. And then we move to the New Testament and we read these words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does that mean? It means that born-again believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, were created by God for God. And it's really important that we embrace this truth, that we are God's handiwork, that God does not make mistakes, right? God knew what he was doing when he crafted you, when he formed you, when he created you, when he designed you, when he wired you. He did it exactly the way he wanted. And yes, you're unique, and yes, you're unlike anyone else in the room, but you know what? That's a good thing, right? God had a specific plan in mind. God has work that he has prepared for us to do. Do you remember your dream for yourself when you were a child? Did anybody, anybody here a dreamer? Anybody still a dreamer? Like you're just a, not like dreamer, like you literally go to sleep and you dream, right? My wife has some freaky dreams, I'm just going to tell you, right? But like you, you dream, like you just find yourself kind of wandering, your mind wandering sometimes, and you're just dreaming about like what's ahead and what might be in the future for you. Anybody, anybody there? Okay, dreamers, dreamers, it's okay, it's, it's okay, be proud of it, right? I dream, right? That's a good thing. Well, all of us probably as children kind of had an idea, we, we, um, we could imagine, right, what our life was going to look like. And so what did you imagine that your life would look like? Did you imagine that you would have a family, small family, big family? Did you imagine you would someday be married, that you would someday have children, right? Was that a part of your dream? Did you imagine owning a house in the suburbs or maybe out in the country, a house with a you know, white picket fence and a red door and maybe a dog or two or ten? Any cat ladies in here? Wear it with pride, cat ladies, right? Well, when I was a child, I had dreams, right? And one of my dreams for myself had to do with my vocation. And I, I, I dreamed that I would be a veterinarian. That was my plan, right? I mean, from a small, I'm talking small Matt, right? Little Matt. Let's go back to little Matt. He was really cute. Imagine him. He's adorable. He has shaggy hair. It was blonde. I know that's weird, right? But it was. And little Matt thought that he'd be a veterinarian, mostly because he loved his grandmother's dog, Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen was a golden retriever. Just awesome dog, right? <laughs> what? Why is that funny? All right. So I dreamed I'd be a veterinarian. In fact, um, I love dogs so much that when our cousins would all get together to play, I would always be given the assignment of being the family dog, right? <laughs> I know it should have been humiliating, but I wore it as a badge of honor, okay? All right. It, I was the youngest, so that was just the role I played. Well, then my dream kind of shifted uh, later in life, and I got to be a, a teenager, young teenager, 
And I took some art classes, and I really love to just sit down and doodle and draw. Um, in fact, Oliver can testify to this, that my mom still has a lot of my pictures that I drew when I was a kid hanging up. I drew all over my bedroom walls. I know it sounds like a nightmare, but it was awesome. Um, and I dreamed I would be a cartoonist. But then it wasn't too long before I realized that I really just looked more like a tar cartoon character. Um, <laughs> hey, he put it up there last week, all right? So. And then my dream kind of shifted again, and I was going to be a high school choir director. That was the plan, right? I know, again, you're like going to be like, what? But I was. I, I was in uh, chorus and was in all the things that you can be in in, in high school. And, I, and my dream was to be a high school choir director. And so I went off to college and actually became a music major um, early on in school. And then God just kind of grabbed me at some point and said, you know what, Matt? I got a different plan for your life. What I imagine for you, what, I, what my dream is for you is that you be in ministry, and specifically student ministry. And that's kind of when things switched. So what about your dreams? Have they changed as you've gotten older? Have they changed as a direct result of your relationship with Christ and really stopping to, to consider what it is that God may want from your life? And maybe it's not vocational ministry, but, but in some way, maybe God has taken the dream that you kind of always had for yourself, and he's been like, you know what, let's, let's pair that with where I want you to be and what I want you to be doing. Some of us may be doing exactly what we imagined we would be doing. Others may be doing something quite different. How do you feel about that change? Most importantly, do you feel like God has been a part of your dreaming for your future? Because again, just as you were created in the image of God, you were also created with a distinct purpose. So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're actually going to go to the book of Ephesians, letter of Ephesians, and we're going to go to chapter one. And in chapter one of any of Paul's letters, what he's basically doing is he's kind of writing a, a, a salutation, an opening. Uh, here, here it is, you know, like here's, here's what I want you to know before I even start teaching. And so Ephesians 1, verses 11, 19 reads like this. It says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. All right, now there's, a, there's a lot of, when Paul writes, it's like, what? Right? It's hard to digest. So I'm going to read that, that particular line again because I want you to catch this. In him... Christ, right? We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Works out everything, right, in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So I want to kind of break this down a little bit for us, all right, to help us understand it. 
The Apostle Paul writes, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. As I said earlier, God has a plan for our life. Paul is writing to the Christian believers in Ephesus. He wants them to know that it is only in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Paul says something similar in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, right? When we allow God to transform us, he changes the way we think. He changes the way we think about our past, about our present, and about our future. But we'll come back to that here in a minute. So our imagination, this imagination that you have used from the time you were a tiny child, can be a powerful tool to help us reach our future. And our future as believers in Christ is huge, right? Because it's eternal. We sometimes think of just our time here on earth, but, but, but we have the whole of eternity to look forward to. And Paul says, and you, all, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to, to, the, to the praise of, of his glory. So we're marked with a seal, right? We've got eternity to look forward to. And so when we begin to think about our lives and dream about our future and imagine what life could look like, right? We need to think big. We need to dream big. A life of faith is less about gathering information and more about expanding the imagination. We need to, you might say we need to think differently in order to live differently. You see, we need God to come in and we need God to sanctify the whole of our lives. We need God to sanctify our imaginations. We need a holy imagination to cope with both the ugliness and the beauty of the world that we live in. A holy imagination helps us to understand the events that are going on in and around our lives. It helps us to understand that some things that we perceive as being bad events in our lives are actually just helping us to be shaped for the future, for God's future for us. Only in our imagination can we begin to contain even the smallest expression of the bigness of God. Only in our imagination can we even begin to conceive what reality might become if it began to reflect the imagination of God. Think about it. Think about it. How we live life daily is largely determined by our own imagination, our own vision of our future. And so what if how we lived our life was also determined by our imagination of God, by our imagination of, of God's kingdom and our place in it? Man, if we could just find our niche, right? When was the last time that you really considered whether or not something you were doing was actually the will of God? Like, how many of you really think about that on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, man, is where I'm at right now in life is what I'm doing right now, is that really the will of God? Do you find yourself feeling as though you're in the center of his will? 
I'll say it again. What we imagine our future to be will form the way that we live our life right now. So if our hope, for instance, is based on things from this world like money, power, fame, that's the one I'm really going for, fame, you know, then we will build our life around those things. And we'll also be guaranteed to carry a whole lot of anxiety around with us, right? Because all of those things can be easily taken away. Someone can come in and take our money. Someone can come in and take our power, take our fame. And so we'll live these anxious lives because that's what our life is centered around. You may remember that Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount encouraged his disciples to store up for themselves treasures in heaven, right? Why? Because moths and rust do not destroy, right? That which is stored up in heaven. Thieves do not break in and steal that which is stored up in heaven. What matters most are eternal things, heavenly things, kingdom things, God things, right? Paul writes, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Paul wants the believers in Ephesus to know the hope to which God has called them the riches of the inheritance that God has for them, the great power that God has to reshape their lives. And I want you to know the same thing this morning. Think about the things that you do. Think about the things that we do every day to set us up for for success in our future, whether it be our future education, whether it be some sort of training or networking in our jobs. Think about the things that we do as athletes or as musicians every day just to to make ourselves ready for the future. Think about all the investments that we make on a daily basis, whether that be investments of time or money or resources or whatever. What if we began investing that same level of passion, that same level of vigor into kingdom things? Going back to Romans 12, listen to the message transliteration of this passage. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and even just walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your eyes and your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. God develops well-formed maturity in you. Church, let God stretch your dream. Let God stretch your dream. God's Hope is an even more powerful tool to reshape us and help us reach God's future. We need to think differently in order to live differently. 
hold on to God's dream for your future, for your life, and don't let go. Erwin McManus says, we see life through a filter. And that filter either blinds us to all the beauty and wonder and possibility that surrounds us, or it brings them to light. So as Christians, we need to let Christ be the filter through which we see our lives. Listen to these words of the Apostle Paul, written just a a couple of pages later. So if you can kind of go back and imagine in your head what Paul was writing in chapter 1. Now, this is what he writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He says, Now to him, Christ, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So think about that, church. Do you really believe the words of this book to be true? I do. And so I read these words, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And I'll just tell you that I got a slap in the face on that this, this week. As I came back Saturday from vacation, and we got in late, and had Sunday morning and church here, and saw friends, and talked about Disney and how awesome it was, and then Saturday night, I got a call from my mom that my dad was in the hospital, and over the next 24 to 36 hours, we learned that my dad had colon cancer. And at first, it was like, oh my gosh, what are, what's going on here, right? And so began to pray, and got the prayer chain in process, and you know, they're talking to their church, and I'm talking to our church, and My sister's talking to her church in Lexington, and we got people praying from Lexington to Cincinnati. And it's not looking good. And the surgeon's telling us he goes in, and he removes a part of the colon, and removes the mass, and removes the lymph nodes, and he's kind of preparing us for the worst. And then yesterday, I got a text from my mom. The oncologist had come in to see them. And while the mass had precancerous cells in it, the lymph nodes were clear. But you see, I limited my prayers to what I thought God could do. And so my prayers were very much leaned more towards, God, you know what? Dad's getting ready to go through a really hard thing, and he's going to be in chemotherapy, and he's going to have all this. And I just, I knew it was coming, right? And God was just sitting up in heaven going, Matt, my plans are so much bigger than yours, right? Don't limit yourselves, right? We serve a God who can heal. We serve a God of hope and of restoration. Think about it. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, God has infinite, you fill in the blank, at his disposal. Wow. God has whatever you need. He can handle it. There's a song we used to sing with children at uh, backyard Bible clubs that we used to do when I was growing up, and I know this is going to sound corny, but I want us to stand up and I want us to sing this song. And it's going to be cheesy and we're going to have a fun with it. So go ahead and stand up and I'm going to teach it to you and we're going to sing it. It's really easy, all right? So you're going to, you're going to be okay with this, all right? I told our uh, new members and baptismal candidates before the service started, I said, my goal in life is to make everyone else around me look good. And if anyone looks like an idiot, it's going to be me. So that's what we're doing this morning, all right? So this song is called My God is So Big, right? And some of you might know it, so if you do, you got to belt it out. But it goes like this. My God is so 
Yeah. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And you just clap, right? And you do that three times. All right, so it's my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And then it goes like this. The mountains are his, the valley, rivers are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. All right, now, here's the thing. When you're doing this with children, you don't just do it the regular way, right? There are special ways in which you do this song. And I know, again, this is corny, this is out of your comfort zone, and the hour is late. I get it, all right? But it's worth it, because you need to hear these words this morning, church. You really do. And so we're going to do it small version. You ready for this? It goes like this. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Boop, boop. All right. Here we go. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Boop, boop. The mountains are his, the rivers are his, the stars are his handiwork too. Boop, boop. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Boop, boop. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Hoo, hoo. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Hoo, hoo. The mountains are his, the rivers are his, the stars are his handiwork too. Hoo, hoo. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do for you. That's right. That's right. You can sit down now. You have, your performance credit is met. All right? So seriously, church, if I could give you a formula this morning to ensure, to ensure that the next years of your life would be the very best years of your life, here's what it is. Your dreams and aspirations for your life, coupled with a knowledge and a submission to God's good and pleasing and perfect will, will equal success for the future and for all of eternity. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you have bigger plans for us than we even have for ourselves. And God, just remind us of that day in and day out, God, as we sweat the small stuff, as we get worried about the little trite things in our life, God, just remind us that your plans are so much greater than anything that we have for ourselves. God, you're a good God. You're big and you're strong and you're mighty. And there's nothing that you cannot do. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.